broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta. It's time for Customer Experience Radio, brought to you by Heineken Company, real estate advisors specialized in corporate relocation. Now, here's your host, Jill Heineck. Good morning, and welcome to this very special edition of Customer Experience Radio. I'm your host, Jill Hynek. I'm a business owner, real estate advisor, and customer experience enthusiast. Today, we're going to pivot a bit. We're going to talk about OX, or operational excellence, as our guest today will expound upon. I love his definition of OX, and it's this. Operations is about harvesting value from the physical or intangible assets owned by an organization. Operational excellence is anchored in a culture of continuous improvement. Be a little bit better today than you were yesterday. That is why I'm honored to have John Hightower on with us today to delve a little bit deeper into this formula. John serves as a partner of Archentower, a Fraser and Dieter company, where he leads strategic planning and team development. With over 15 years of experience, he has worked with companies in the area of executive level strategy, consultative sales leadership, business process improvement, and financial modeling. Tower has served firms across various industries um, and sizes, notably Chick-fil-A, and alongside the founder of Ritz-Carlton, Hort Schultze, who was a guest on our show last spring. In 2019, Tower was acquired by nationally ranked accounting firm Fraser & Dieter and with offices across the United States and a budding footprint in the U.K., John himself has worked with leading brands in their respective industries, SAP, Coca-Cola, Leadercast, Spanx, Home Depot, McDonald's, you know, a few little companies, as well as many startups and nonprofits. And a fun fact about John, he is an Atlanta Business Chronicle 40 under 40 alumni. Welcome, John. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jill. I'm so glad to talk to you today. Um, but first, just can you give our listeners like a little bit of background um, of your journey um, to this point? Absolutely. Thank you for the time. And it has been a, a unique journey. And from my understanding, you have entrepreneurs that are listening and it's the entrepreneurial dream. Uh, I'm a, I'm a sixth, fifth generation at Lansing. My two daughters, five and six are six, six generations. And I never thought I, I would be living this entrepreneurial dream. And it has been a crazy ride. But where we are today is we're in the throes of a $75 billion business issue. And that's the customer experience. And the customer experience is one of those hot topics that uh, have been explored in 2019 and continuing to 2020. And COVID's actually presented opportunities for businesses, which we can maybe delve into a little bit as we talk about operational excellence. But this $75 billion issue of the customer experience is driven majority by the employee experience. You can almost think of the customer satisfaction as a lagging indicator to your employee experience. 88% of that customer experience is driven by your employees. And the neat thing is through the work that we've done with, with some great brands, and you mentioned some of those, it's been an honor to, to walk alongside those, but we got a consistent question. What does the Ritz-Carlton do really, really well? <laughs> and then you had an opportunity to connect with Chick-fil-A. What do they do really well? And I'm not sure about you, Joe, but when you go into those organizations, it's almost like you just feel different. And as a customer, you feel um this, 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 uh, the nuance of how you're served and the speed is just very unique. And as we were building our company, that question continue, continued to come up. And we focused on uh, three pillars. Uh, we focused on, hey, at the end of the day, the Ritz is, it just excels at a customer experience. And it comes down to how they take care of their employees. But the interesting thing is the, un, uh, the untapped opportunity most businesses don't get 
they get customers are important. They get employees are important. But it's this, it's this mindset of continuous improvement that I really gravitated to. Part of that is from my background, but part of it is just the untapped profit that can come from that. Uh, yes, when you reduce cost, uh, there's multiple ways to do that. There's, hey, let's just cut the bottom line. Let's cut out any cost. I had an amazing opportunity to spend time with Horst Schultze, and um, I was actually with him earlier today as he was giving a talk. And one of the things I heard him uh, say at one of his, his speeches, I've, I've had the honor of traveling with him to Germany and spend time in, in his hometown and even at his home in Germany. And he said, when you look at your operations, don't look at cutting costs, look at cutting mistakes and don't put it unfairly on the employees or the customers. That's what, that's a leadership and a management um, yes. mindset. And for me, that's where we took a, a body of work. We had, we had at that point, we were, we're three years into this journey and we'd served um, Chick-fil-A and, and we knew that we needed to pivot and, and continue to serve other brands alongside that, that amazing brand. And we started to get this work that was outside the customer and employee experience. We'd begin to work within supply chain. We'd begin to work within uh-huh. KPIs or key performance indicators and dashboards for the, uh, the C-suite, looking at strategically right. how are you measuring your business. And when it came to us putting a, um, basically a, a flag in the ground, it was, let's focus on operational excellence alongside the CX and EX. So we, we trademarked uh, uh, the CX, EX, OX framework. Uh, and there's a bit of marketing, if you think about the branding there. Uh, the it. CX is traditionally for the CMO. Uh, the EX is traditionally for the chief people officer. Uh, or maybe you have an HR exec, a VP of HR. Right. We work a lot with organizational development and uh, HR professionals there. But also the COO is really focused on that operational excellence. Um, and if you're the CEO, be concerned about all three and really thinking about how you are creating that organizational health and organizational strategy to drive each one of those pillars. So I just want to give you a bit of the background of how we got where we are today. Um, it, it's been a phenomenal ride and I'm just, it's just an honor to, to even be talking and cheering some of those stories. So thank you. <laughs> well, before Archon Tower, where, where was your experience? Where did you go to school? Hmm. So did my undergrad at Georgia Tech and then spent two years in healthcare consulting and never thought I'd get back into consulting, uh, but my path opened back up after grad school to my, my grad school at Auburn and um, really began working with small businesses. And I was traditionally maybe that, that second or third man in line helping develop a business and building the business, but I wasn't in that founding circle and um, just didn't have that opportunity to create wealth. And a moment came where I had an opportunity to step out and, and, do my own thing. My father was a home builder and um, did not go to did not go to college. So it was an opportunity that he worked so hard to give me an opportunity to become right. an entrepreneur. And, and through that kind of upbringing, I learned that you got a lot of freedom, but also a lot of responsibility. And kind of seized that opportunity three years ago. Um, and then recently, I, I did some schooling at Harvard, focused on entrepreneurship essentials um, and how do you look for deal flow and, and really maximizing shareholder value and. Um, the other side is my two daughters, we, 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 uh, we are home educators and I wanted them to see that as high towers, we do not stop learning and as we are lifelong learners. So I said, I'm going to go to school. Now I'll be going to school at night when you go to bed. So go to bed. So daddy can take his class, but it was, there was a higher calling for me. Um, and that's, I want my girls to understand what excellence is. And that was a pursuit that I want to make sure that was in our family culture and our family values was a lifelong learner. So uh, part of it was I wanted the education, but part of it I wanted to make sure that I was presenting to my my children the importance of education. So hopefully that gives you a little bit more of a robust look at uh, of my background. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, that and I and it sounds like um, then what you're doing now te- definitely ties into your family principles, right? <laughs> it is, and we we walk along uh, alongside CEOs and, and the C-suite that may not uh, understand, or they've tried and say, "Hey, how do we get our values?" from the walls to the halls and how do we get that systemically throughout our organization? A lot of organizations have multiple locations. So right. distributed workforces. So we've created something called the customer focused organizational model where we flip the org chart upside down. So instead of the executive team sitting at the top, you technically sit at the bottom because right. we kept getting the question, is the customer right or is the employee right? And it's, right. there may be a more nuanced question. Is it both? So for me in the world I, role I sit, I ask my employees, why can I take off your plate? How can I serve you today? If they roll that out to the people that report to them, to the frontline people, you're going to get that kind of culture in a, in a somewhat of a, a counterintuitive way. And that's kind of some of those core values and DNAs that kind of bring home into to the workforce. So, Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about the framework. So you mentioned it a little bit ago, um, but can you go a little bit deeper with CXEXOX? Absolutely. So you asked about OX, and we'll, we're gonna we'll start there, and then we can we can sure. move wherever you see fit. So on the operational side, um, we have found a, a unique space with maturity models, and what a maturity model is is it's a systemic way in which an organization progresses and becomes more mature in a specific area. And it's interesting because the framework has actually came out of the Department of Defense and a partnership with Carnegie Mellon a couple, a few decades ago. And basically it was, hey, how do we mature in, in a software development program? And those maturity models have become replicated in different areas of business. So, hey, let's understand, are we, are we at the crawl phase or are we industry best? And what are those five stages? So we work with organizations to design uh, and personalize a maturity model for themselves. And then from in that, we survey data on both sides, not only on the employee side to understand where they feel the organization is, but also uh, customers. And that tension, that delta that you see between those two differences really drives some unique conversations. Um, So you start there, like, where are we? And then from there, okay, what data do we have to validate this position? Mm -hmm. What processes are we doing? how are we measuring it consistency? And then the most, um, I think the most missed opportunity is how are we training our employees on the standard that which we want to, 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 to achieve. And this continuous improvement needs to be part of that life cycle of a business. Uh, culturally, you have a culture of continuous improvement. We do innovation training. So to fortify kind of this operational excellence framework, you can bring trainings in like Stanford design school has um, design thinking. It's in a methodology of improvement. So how are you bringing in some of those employee kind of undergirding them with the more of the, uh, the rigor that's necessary to, to do that? Because as you go through the operation excellence piece, your employees have a strong correlation there. So then you can go to the employee side and say, Hey, what's our selection? We don't hire. We select. We like to use that elevated language. Um, part of that comes from, uh, rubbing shoulders with, with horse, which if you have not read his books, Excellence Wins. <laughs> of course we have. <laughs> but rubbing shoulders with him, like we, we use elevated language and that's what we want to do. Yeah. We want our employees to feel called to a higher purpose. So even to the point of selection, how do you select people? How do you onboard them appropriately and align them quickly? But then putting them in the, the scope of where they fit. And this right. to me drills a, a unique opportunity 
that most organizations have felt the need to do it, but really putting the effort behind it is mapping out the interactions between your customer journey and your employee journey. Right. We just executed this virtually with a, a company in Oklahoma that has uh, 60 locations, 1,000 employees, and, and going through the nuance of mapping how their customers are interacting with each department opened up a world of conversation internally with their team. And now we're working into work streams on improving the correlation between the customer and employee experience. Gave you a lot there, but I wanted to kind of bring you through parts of the framework as we- No, that's fantastic. So what you just mentioned um, kind of resonates with me when you are looking at the customer experience and the employee experience. What are you seeing when you're you know, with a client? Um, are you seeing that they are parallel? Are you seeing that they are working um, in, together well? Or are you seeing a lot of having to work the kinks out of one and the other in order for them to work well together. I mean, because obviously you can't have one without the other. And so how much, I guess the question really is, are, is there always one vertical that is more um, advanced than the other, which is probably the case, I would guess. Um, but then what are you doing to kind of get the other one up to speed so that you can bring it to the forefront of operational excellence? Wonderful question. And it starts with the, the, the story behind Arch and Tower. So when we were really wrestling with our, our brand, like, what do we want to be? Um, we had an epiphany, a really interesting conversation. Uh, I wanted the, the name to be selected fast and furious and let's get this done. Part of that's my personality profile. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm learning EQ is 80% of success, mm-hmm. which when organizations realize that, IQ is an, an important part. And that number came from Harvard. Um, 80% of success is actually emotional quotient. I know I have a blind side on speed and sometimes I don't, I never see risk, Jill. I see opportunity. <laughs> now my team was like, that's an incredible amount of risk. Right. So understanding that nuance, one of my partners said, Hey, can I have the weekend? And the name that came back was Arch and Tower and Arches span gaps and carry weight. So think about it as a department is one department talking to another. So how do we make that arch? And then a tower lists people to see strategically over whatever area they're in. So that's where mm-hmm. we get our name, Arch and Tower. And it Love plays it. directly into CX and EX. We map Love them it. together. Because what I see consistently is that there's siloed information. Yes. And when there's siloed information, there's a siloed experience. Not only yes. for employees, but customers. Yes. And if you don't wrestle that down with a cross-functional um, approach, you're leaving margin on the table. It's not just about margin for margin's sake. <clears throat> Because when I say margin, most everyone on the call immediately went to finance. Everyone thought, what's the profit? What's the, you know, what's our cost? And that's a very valid point and data supports that. Um, But there's also time. And the most important asset people have right now is time. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm surprised my two daughters have not stormed through the doors here in in my my office. (laughs) I can't wait to meet Um, them. (laughs) But but time is the essence, right? I'm making a decision, that tension. So if we can look at time efficiencies as well as financial efficiencies through these, these processes, it's a, it, you could almost call it a triple bottom line, depending on your business. If you, That's right. If you get back to community, right? Which I'm a big fan of. So to your point, does one, ten, and I want to pull that back out. You said, well, one usually outpaces the other. Right. And I would say you're correct, depending on the culture of the business. Right. If the business is focused strongly in digital, but they sometimes disregard their physical experience, and sure, the digital experience is going to be weighted, but I, but I think you have to have those connected. Yes, 
so if we had more time, I could go story after story. Right. Um, but since you, you led with, with, with a Chick-fil-A kind of um, reference, I, I'll, I'll go there as a customer. I'm going to sure. call it the chicken dance story. Um, my family during COVID, we had to get out of the house. It, I, I love my family, but it was time to get outside the wall. So we went on a hike up, <clears throat> up in North Georgia. And we stopped for Chick-fil-A twice, once on the way there and once on the way back. Big brain print. <laughs> But when you watch the employees, and have you been through a Chick-fil-A drive-thru recently? Yes. It's like a dance, watching the employees mm-hmm. dance with the vehicles, right? And then what's going on inside of that restaurant? Like we, we've had the honor of working with them and understanding the nuances there. But as a customer, they were taking care of me physically. They were having that communication face-to-face. Then they had the digital aspect of it. They had an iPad right there taking my order. Right. And then that was internally being communicated through digital systems back to back of house and front of house and to the drive through window and all those things that most businesses have. Um, but they do it at a next level. And the interesting thing there is um, when you walk and you, and you went through that experience, it, it was so seamless. But the amount of work that has to get there is where most companies say, this is hard. It's like, it is absolutely hard. That's what business is. That's what entrepreneurship is. That's what leadership is. That's what, that's what America's great at is taking on tough things. Um, and just calling back the horse, uh, I, one of the, the unique aspects is hearing kind of behind the scenes and hearing the unvarnished stories. He's like, John, if I won 1% in selection and then I won 1% on the customer experience and I won 1% in the dining room, that's all I had to do. Right. I just had to win at 1%, but do it multiple times. You win at, at aggregate. Maybe that's a helpful point for someone out there, maybe on a jog or they're listening and they're, they're riding into work or riding off somewhere else. It's like, how can I win 1%? And that, right. that's what I encourage people, Jill. Don't try to master everything all at once. Use creative as principle. Take data. What's the one or two points? We call them points of excellence. Let's really find our points of excellence. We may have a burn sheet of 20 that we need to work on, but let's focus on one and do it really, really well. And then we take the next one. We take the next one continuing to measure and improve throughout that process. Well, and it's funny. That's uh, interesting you say that because um, uh, our very own Stone, our producer, he he said, you know, the quick, the little wins are important. They're just as important as the big wins, right? So mm-hmm. you have to do take the baby steps. And interestingly enough, in my business and corporate relocation, we find that there is a lot of this siloed experience happening where HR is siloed potentially from Relo and then Relo is siloed from the agents on the ground who are trying to help the transferee with a smooth move, a smooth transferring experience with the job and to get them on the job productive quicker, um, faster, et cetera. So it's been a challenge over the last 15 years to try to get those two, I mean, I'm one person, <laughs> um, but I do try to bring some of this uh, idea of let's talk to each other, let's collaborate, but let's first look at the KPIs that are holding us back um, that we're, or that we're not implementing or that we're ignoring. Um, so let's, um, so I, I love that what you're talking about here. So should we go into a little bit, talk about your um the employee experience and how you kind of work through on a high level, how you kind of work through some of that with the, with the client. Absolutely. And, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't say, keep, keep going, keep deciding <laughs> that situation for people, because think about the person that's most impacted may, maybe not the, the employee, 
Right. The person that's most impacted is probably the spouse or child or children that are coming along on that corporate reload. You're right. And you, you keep doing you because that's an important aspect because they're coming into a new culture. They could be coming into a new environment and your effort of helping others, probably because they have blinders on unintentionally having blinders on. I don't think anyone puts them on purposely. They're just doing their job instead of saying, well, can we take a step back and think bigger picture here? To me, that's how to start the employee experience. Hey, let's be empathetic to the employee, especially as leaders, especially during this time right now in which we're to just, there's a lot of things being thrown at employees across life. And it's really hard for people to separate life and my professional world because they collide. They collide digitally. They collide in conversations at a deeper level now. So we just need to be empathetic to people at an, at an, at another gear. If you have five years hit gear six to really be empathetic. Um, I love the fact that we get to do zoom calls. Why? Because I get to know people at a different level. Like, Hey, people get to know a little bit about me on the background here. Um, different things I have associated virtually. I'm telling people things. I'm extroverting data here in a non-communicative way where I'm physically telling about world experiences or my appreciation for history or whatever it may be. And leaders have the opportunity if they keep their, their eyes open and maybe a new aperture to say, tell me about your, tell me about your, your son, tell me about um, your parents and, and see where people really are. So empathetic, I think is the key to employee experience then taking that empathy and reverse engineering it. So rather than being onboarded into a system where you get a binder of stuff, what would it look like to say, we were expecting you. Thank you so much for joining our team. Let me understand more of what you would like in your career. Now we can explore different career paths that we have here, but that's not what's important today. You're here and you're joining a, a, a vision. Let me tell you about that vision. Let me share with you how we got to this point. From there, we're going to begin to equip you with things, but we've got time for that. Traditionally, that's not the first day experience, right? No. Here's our documents. We got to get you through benefit. And those are all important things. I'm just asking people to reconstitute it in a different flow. But then don't forget about the employees as that goes through. Survey consistently. Let's understand where employees are at yearly, if not quarterly. We do net promoter scores on a pulse survey quarterly with an organization. And we don't leave it there. We say, what other questions can we ask? Surveys are great longitudinally, and what I mean by that is looking at them over time, but there's a latitudinal piece of surveys that is underappreciated, and that is the question we ask usually allows us to ask better questions based on the answers the employees give us. Right. So don't take the answers at, at, um, at first glance. Really understand, can we ask more nuanced questions? And that'll tell you and guide you on where you need to improve your employee experience. Um, But first, you have to ask. And that is what we find in most of the organizations is that leadership is very busy with what's on their plate. And so many times, the questions aren't asked. And, And that then impacts the service delivery and the experience on the end user, right? So we have to, I think, start, like you said, with working through the employee Excellent issues, excellence issues um, that I, I mean, I know we could talk about that forever in a day, <laughs> um, but talk to me about, you know, um, some, you know, success stories where um, you went through the employee, you know, the exercise of improving this employee experience and how that impacted CX. Hmm. So 
I think one of the, the best examples that I would give is when you think about the employee experience, it's, it's how is it really connected to the customer experience? And recently we were working with an organization mapping all these different components together. And what the sales team realized is they were early on in the relationship with the, the customer, but who also was there was a support system that came in later on. What their perception was was later on in the customer journey. And that was support services from accounting. And when you start to realize, hey, that employee experience is tied directly to the customer journey, depending on at what point, the opportunity to connect and, and share best practices with one another, where that customer sits in the pipeline, that's when things really begin to happen. Another illustration, I would say on the employee experience side, is removing departmental frustrations. And typically that happens between sales and delivery. Right. And they hear sales, what, what did you just, what did we just sign ourselves up for? <laughs> and then on the delivery side, you know, they're, they're saying, um, if we could just get a cleaner communication from sales, we can serve our clients better. So there's no one at fault per se, except in my personal opinion, leadership and saying, hey, we need to figure out things. Uh, previous career stop, I, I sat on both sides of that fence. And when I moved over to the sales side, built relationship with the person headed delivery. And we were writing off um, basically 14 cents of every dollar we sold was getting washed out through either miscommunication or inefficiency. And if you think about it, that's the downstream of the employee experience right. um, to the point of bonuses and stuff like that. It's all tied together and you have to take time to really understand the moving parts there. But when we kind of bridged that gap and said, before we fin finish a quote or send a quote out, let's make sure we double down and talk to delivery. Do we have capacity? What's the right time? All these principles of project management inserted that in the sales function. What we did is we actually decreased write-offs by 50%. So if you think about that, there's a meaningful bottom line impact from this process. Mm -hmm. work. But the real win is employees, they understood more about what they were supposed to do. They knew their timeframes. We were able to look at manageable timelines and project deadlines. So if you think about it, there's a multiplier effect to this work. Um, we're a big fan of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. And if, if, if uh, you're familiar with the psychology principle, there's the bottom layer of survival and security, and you can move up in these layers. And there's the nuance of what does it mean as a person in general? And survival is food, shelter, water, water. And then you can move into security and then relational where you're building the relational aspects. We ask people to take a look in the mirror for an organization. And are your employees in survival mode? Do they have unmanageable project deadlines? Do they have unmanageable things where they can never move into security and relational aspects in regards to the organization because everyone's hair is on fire? So anyway, just bringing in a little bit, maybe the like psychology side to what we do. That's the important part of the employee experience is really thinking differently um, about how employees are, are engaged with. Right. So when they're engaged and they feel included and they feel like you as the leadership has been transparent as to what is, you know, managing expectations, what's expected of them and performance wise, what they expect, then the at the end of the day, that person is going to feel like they're part of a team, they're part of something, they're valued and then will then be able to perform right in, in the way in, at a high level. That's that's the goal right at the end of the day. Um, I know there's a lot more to it, but. That is what I gleaned from what you just said. Absolutely. Clarify <laughs> the vision, align people with the function of why they right. should do it. And then from there, make sure they're executing it with accountability and systems and to measure. And That's right. 
common sense is not so common. And, you know, a lot of folks, leaders specifically have so much on their plate. These are just some of those principles that we're bringing in from maybe a different point of view and a different voice that helps create some clarity and ideally progress for companies. This is why they need you. This is why companies need you to take some of that off of their plate and you can plug in. Jill, those are very kind words. Um, usually the answers are in the room. They just need an outside voice to maybe facilitate and get in there. Uh, majority That's right. of the answers are already in the room. That's right. They just needed a guide to maybe help them along that path. And we're, we're thankful to partner with the clients that we have. And uh, it is an honor to work alongside them. But majority of the work um, is already in the room and they, they get it done. They just needed some help getting there. And um, we do roll or, up our sleeves. Or they needed help the actually... They needed help actually to acknowledge that they're in, it's in the room. You just need direction and someone to hold your hand on the path. That would be me. I mean, when you're running an organization, you have a lot of moving parts. So um, having someone take that off your plate who is an expert in that area, I think, makes all the difference in the world. And I think implementation then becomes easier once yes. you kind of you know, peel back the onion, right? Um, so what current trends are you seeing right now in the marketplace? Oh, I get excited talking about this because um, the world needs excitement right now in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, organizations have a net new level on how to connect with employees. I believe we can engage in levels we never have before. One, because there may have been something in the way of engaging people at a different human level. And that 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 um, that curtain's coming down a little bit, or or that resistance to have direct dialogue is is coming down, which is which is um, could be intimidating for some people, or it could be exciting for others. And I see it as excitement to say, okay, we can be, be much more human about life. Um, I was on a call earlier today. I was the only one with a collar on, and and that's great, and I don't mind that. But there's you just get the reality of who an authenticity that's desired by most humans. It's interesting. I was reading an article recently. You can't ask some questions in the interview process and legally and to understand, but it's almost the expectation of the ploy on the flip side to say, Hey, I'm a human connect with me in another level. But because of some of those nuances, you have to honor that. So really I think COVID's created an opportunity to create new dialogue, create a new way for the people to feel appreciated and supported. We've created a, um, a scalable process for organizations to engage with their employees and, uh, bring them back to the office. And I'm encouraging people out there that say return to work. People are working. It just looks differently right now. So right. return to office. And even that nuance in language has an employee experience impact. That's one area. Secondly, it's bringing this stuff together. Digital and physical are now slammed together. And how do you look at things differently? How do you look at your digital experience to your, your physical experience and even to remote communications and really exploring that at a deeper level and Inside of supply chains, depending on the size of the company, uh, I was in uh, North Mississippi uh, Monday of this week exploring how to help a tire company on some of the things that they're doing with software and process inside of their warehouse. They were sourcing things from Southeast Asia and uh, different parts of the world. And how are you reexamining supply chain? Just some fascinating times right now. Um, And there's two areas to work from, work from fear or focus. And if you can work from focus... Like, hey, let's acknowledge this is difficult, but we're America. We're going to get through this. It's part of our DNA. We can all agree on that, that we will get through difficult times. And I believe for companies that focus and say, let's go. Yeah, you may have to make some very difficult decisions. We've made very difficult decisions. I don't want to underplay that. However, 
when you're creating focus and you're giving people energy, empathy, and focus, you can win the day. Um, and that's what I see. I'm excited about that. Digital acceleration is key. Um, people became very familiar with a lot of digital tools. Uh, we, we started as that was one of our core strategies was we want to be digital first in the way we de- deliver professional services. So our firm digital, it's ubiquitous. Digital transformation is part of what you should be doing anyway. But I think people like that digital transformation language. So, Hey, that's a hot topic as well. Um, and we could, I mean, we, we could set up another time to talk and just explore that, but those are two or three trends we're seeing connect with your employees empathetically, create focus, not fear during this season and think about your digital transformation steps. Those would be three takeaways I would give our listeners. That's fantastic. I have absolutely have been thrilled that we've been able to connect here and have this conversation. Um, this may call for another in-depth conversation down the line. Um, but I really appreciate you taking your time out to talk with us today. And I know, I mean, I, took furious notes. So I know our listeners have too. Um, is there any parting, you know, words of wisdom that you'd like to leave our listeners with? <laughs> yeah. um, for the leaders, what you feel, the pressures you feel, uh, need to be at home, need to be in the workforce. Those are real. Take care of yourself in this time. Um, I know I have neglected that and I want to encourage people to make sure that you're doing that. Uh, what we're feeling is real and it's okay to acknowledge that. Um, on the flip, on, on the, on the other side of that coin, this is also where leadership is needed the most. And I just encourage people out there, step into that void, step into those areas that may be fearful. We have a, a core value. One of our service standards is step into the arena. Um, take that challenging conversation on. That is one of Arts and Towers, uh, standards that we employ to our employees. So I just encourage leaders out there, step into the arena. Um, and That's we Brene can help- Brown. Uh, well, I, yes, uh, she, she has talked about it. Uh, I, I, I have appreciated that from a mentor of mine sharing me the Teddy Roosevelt speech of the man in the arena and, and all that. And I have created derivatives off of a bunch of other people's work. Um, and Brene is awesome. She's an amazing communicator and, um, so thankful for our time. Uh, Jill, if anyone would like to communicate, I do have a couple of assets. Uh, we have a four pillar framework sure. that can help people during this time. I'm not sure if you would give that. Um, People can reach me at John, J-O-H-N, at archandtower, A-R-C-H-A-N-D-T-O-W-E-R.com. And I'll gladly give you that resource. um, And maybe we can put it in the show notes if you desire that as well. So I just appreciate the time, Jill. And I look forward to a deeper conversation um, in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thanks, everyone, for listening. I am proud to share this show with you as these stories prioritize the customer experience as a legit business strategy, reminding us that no matter the business you are in, consulting, accounting, sales and marketing, real estate, the customer experience should always be the heart of the business. 